The following is a sponsored program on 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this program are solely those of the individuals or participants involved and do not necessarily represent those of Braden Madison Broadcasting or its employees. 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday morning at 10 AM. Sumner County Spotlight is brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. FNM Bank offers personal banking, business banking, and mortgage loans too. FNM Bank is one of the top independent banks in Tennessee. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, MMLS number 518158. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight. Jeff Shannon. Well, good morning. This is Jeff Shannon, and this is Sumner County Spotlight, brought to you each and every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock by FM Bank at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard, right here in Hendersonville. And we have a guest this morning, and we're going to talk a little bit about some history, and we're going to learn a lot about Randy Nash Jr. And of course, he's a, a native of this area and was born and raised in Hendersonville, a lifelong resident of Sumner County. And having known all of his life that he wanted to serve others, Randy has worked in the funeral industry since the age of 14. Now, he's a licensed funeral director and embalmer and the owner of Sumner Funeral and Cremation in Gallatin. So, Randy, hey, welcome to the show this morning. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be anywhere at this point. Uh, <laughs> sure. Wish it would uh, start warming up around this place, but. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's. Shorts one day and a parker the next. So welcome That's to right. Tennessee. It's uh, more unpredictable than anything else in the yeah. world. I, I think the weather in Tennessee it was warm, cold, warm, cold. You just and then you keep your uh, allergy pills handy and your Absolutely. coats, and you'll know. So. You know, they showed a video the other day on the news. They were showing some out, out in the woods, and you know how we look like we have smoky mountains. But the guy says, that is not smoke. That's pollen coming off those cedar trees. <laughs> and it and literally looked like smoke coming off, and that's how much of it was. It was like, huh. You know, you, I like walking out in the mornings and seeing the, the film of the green pollen on my <laughs> truck. And, you know, if you're, really, if you're really brave, you can just wipe your face with it and see what happens. But I don't recommend it. So, uh, you know, I, my my kids uh, they the, every time the temperature changes they start coughing so it ends up my wife and i get it too because mm-hmm. no other option but to get it from your kids i guess so yeah well let's 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 kick it off and why don't, let's let everybody know who you are so give us uh you know your your story uh, sure sure uh, randy so, nash jr um like you said i've lived here my entire life born and raised in hendersonville my wife and my kids and i we now uh, i live in gallatin my wife's from gallatin so we live down there now and um started working in, in the funeral industry funeral service when i was 14 years old uh, for one of my uh, a friend of my dad's who owned a funeral home and worked there for a few years in another part of nashville and then um, got the chance to come uh, home so to speak and, and begin to work in Sumner county uh, when i was 17 and i worked for the same company for 15 years until i left um, march of 2020 right at the beginning beginning of the lovely pandemic and decided that it would be a good idea to purchase a business and be self-employed at the beginning of a pandemic and here we are so oh, wow. it, uh, uh, our business is our funeral home is called sumner funeral and cremation we're in gallatin we serve all of sumner county all of middle tennessee it's march late march so uh, today's april it's like we're in april now wait never mind april <laughs> by fast so um we have been in business uh the the business was there since 2016 i bought it from the previous owners march the 4th of 2020 and so um, we've served a lot of families since and and we're just honored to be there and be a part of it and and be a family-owned and operated business that's a that's important to me and and the fact that we you know we live here we work here we 
shop here, we play here, we eat here, we go to school here, and you know we we are invested in the community, and and we'll we'll be here as as long as we can. Well, I mean, like you like said, you've you've graduated from Good Pasture High School. Uh-huh. Now, I did not know this that there was a such of a thing, but you have a degree in mortuary science. I do. What is that? So, um, <laughs> in Tennessee, to be a licensed embalmer. I have a funeral director's license and an embalmer's license. You have to have an associate's degree from an accredited mortuary college. And so there is one um, in Tennessee called John A. Gupton College. It's right here in Nashville, downtown on Church Street. And it's been here since 1946. And it was started by a man named John A. Gupton. Or if you went to school there, they called him Doc. Doc Gupton and his wife, (laughs) Bernadine, were the founders of the school and ran it until they passed away. And then their son was there and their son John Gupton Jr. still serves on the board at the school. So I went to the, I went to college there. I attended there right after high school and got my associate's degree. And um, then you serve a year of apprenticeship um, under a licensed funeral director and embalmer. And then you can you know, there's a national board exam you have to take and a state law test and you know there's testing and things you have to do. And then we have and then to maintain those licenses we have to do ten hours of continuing education every two years between. So I just renewed my license. In January, so I'll have two years to do ten hours until uh-huh. January of twenty twenty two twenty three. Right. So there, there is such a thing, uh, a, a mortuary science degree. There is, yeah. And some states require a bachelor's degree. Yeah. So uh, Michigan and I think Ohio, possibly a few different ones, are mm-hmm. require a bachelor's degree. Yeah. So, so what, what kind of continuing education? Uh, would be involved there. I mean, it's new, so, new science, different techniques. D- uh, techniques. I mean, it could be anything from from you know different ways to meet with families, different products, mm-hmm. different techniques. Um, f- so they split it up. So five of those can be done. You can do it online, just a program where you're reading something and answering questions. But the other five have to be either in person, face to face, or via webinar, an interactive webinar. They have to be in person. Uh, hours, which we just cha- that just changed a few years ago, but I think it's a good thing. I think that continuing education mm-hmm. is 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 vital to any profession where you maintain a professional license. And, sure, um, absolutely. And so I, I had a mortuary school. One of my teachers in mortuary college told us the day you stop learning is the day you probably want to find something else to do because there's always something to learn. <laughs> yeah, so. absolutely. But yeah, there's one thing that I've I've always said that because I don't do funerals, <laughs> I, I very rarely will go to any of them. Because I, I might not even know these people, but I'm going to start crying. Yeah. And that's what, but I always said, I am not coming to my funeral. I'm just, I'm not going to be there. So just count me out. If you show up at your funeral, I'll quit. So how about that? <laughs> oh, how about that just, remember, do you see the, uh, that, that joke that that one guy did when he was buried and they're at the funeral and they're burying and he had recorded, let me out. Let me. So because he was a jokester. So everybody, you know, kind of cracked up, but he, they, they played that from people are, you know, it's, I've had a few funerals where we've never done anything like that, but I've had a few that were the decedents were our ministers and they recorded a, a recording or a, either a audio or I did one that was a video recording. It was in the, and it was really neat. The family mm-hmm. had not seen it. Wow. Until he, it was in his his information, and we had it. We knew that when he died, we had to play it. That way, mm-hmm. he preached essentially preached his own funeral. Um, we've had a few people that have recorded music and they've sang at their own funerals. So yeah, it's kind of yeah. um, whenever anybody uh, knock and say, "Let me out of here," but <laughs> you know. that would uh, crack some people up. <laughs> yeah. but, well, I mean, you've been around for quite some time, and uh, we had talked earlier, and you, you know, you had previously, I guess, worked here in Hendersonville uh-huh. at Memorial Gardens. So uh-huh. you, you've seen some uh, pretty famous people uh, yeah. that you've. Uh, we've been, yeah, we've. Um, I worked uh, for prior to ownership. I worked for uh, a company called Family Legacy that uh, owned and operated 
I think when we had eight funeral homes and six cemeteries in Metro Nashville. When I started working with them, I was in Hendersonville at Hendersonville Memory Gardens and Funeral Home. And then when I when I left uh, last year, I was the general manager at Crestview Funeral Home and Memory Gardens mm-hmm. in Gallatin. But yeah, we've served people from all walks of life. But several, you know, um, years ago, Johnny and June Carter, uh, Cash and Furland Husky. You're gonna ask me, so I'm gonna start forgetting yeah, no people. Um, the, list, the, the Carters, Billy, uh, and, the Carter. Well, yeah. we didn't. We didn't. I, I wasn't there for the Carters. They, they mm-hmm. died long before I was. I think before I was born, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're all buried there in the same area at Hendersonville Memory Gardens. Yeah. Um, and uh, Johnny's uh, two of his sisters, one of his brother-in-laws. Um, you know, several members of that family. You know, I got to, to do that alongside uh, Tom Bowers, who was my mentor and and still a funeral director here in, in Hendersonville. Works. He was with another business now, but uh, or another company. Yeah. It was a huge honor and, and a very fortunate as a young assistant apprentice and then and young director to be a part of some really neat things. Yeah, so I, I feel fortunate for the to to have had those experiences and um, made some really good connections and met some really neat people and mm-hmm. still do. So, yeah. well, and I think the thing with your organization and it's it, the key factor here. I think that's it's owned and operated by you all here locally. It's it not like somebody out of state or anything like that. Correct. So you get that personal attention. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that, that is a, I feel like what we do is a very personal business and that you want to be dealing with someone who, um, or, a, or some, you know, a, a business, a, a funeral home that's, you know, like I said earlier, vested in the community and we, we, we're here, we're, you know, I meet with 98% of the families that we serve, um, unless I'm out of town or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are, you're going to, you know, we're going to be with you every step of the way. And, and that's a, a big deal because a lot of, you know, our, our industry is, is becoming dominated by uh, larger conglomerate corporations and, um, those not saying that those people do a bad job or anything like that. I have I've worked for one and uh, for a little while because Family Legacy had they made a transition before I left to a, another corporation. You know, acquired the business yeah, yeah. and um and so that that's the the, the to me that, that even though we were there boots on the ground you know here in the communities it takes a little bit of that personal personal service away from it. So I've always wanted to work for myself. I grew up you know my family's always been self employed in, in other industries and so um, you know the opportunity came about for me to buy the business. And uh, I jumped on it. I just. So, what other family members are involved with the company? Oh, uh, so my wife works with me, and I've got uh, my my parents help me from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got my uncle that <laughs> helps. <laughs> I, any free labor I can uh, drum up, I'll help. But my, primarily, my wife and I, and and even every now and then you'll see our kids a funeral home or maybe at a visitation or something. Not much, but every yeah, now and then. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've had a, a pretty good history. I mean, a lot of things you've done. I mean, you were uh, a reserve patrol deputy with the sheriff's office, yeah. and uh, yeah, I worked for and, the sheriff's office for about. Almost eight years, seven yeah. and some change. I was in uh, law enforcement for yeah a bunch of years. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I did that I, back in Orlando. I am. Um, I have a you know big place in my heart for law enforcement. Law enforcement. It's a, you you really, you really learn what a brotherhood is. I think when Absolutely. you do something like that. Yeah. Um, a lot of people and, don't understand that. Yeah. You know, you know because you know, I mean, you know, you're 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 together. Yeah. Things happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just you stick together, and I think a lot of cases and what was. And over the years, that's kind of, I don't know, gone away somewhat, I think, with all of the social things that have been happening and things like that. But the, the brotherhood is, is definitely there, even years out yeah. of the uh, out of the business, you know. You know, in June of this year will be almost will be 19 years I've been in funeral service. And last year, December, late December 19, we lost uh, Spencer Bristol here yes. in Hendersonville. Yeah. That was the. You know, our, we took care of the Bristol family at, at our Hendersonville location when I was still with Family Legacy, and um, that was the first—not the first, 
but the first line of duty death I had dealt from our immediate community. Um, I didn't really know Spencer that well. I knew who he was and I met him a few mm-hmm. times, but he was from here. I've lived here my whole life. We went to the same church and, you know, different age groups, but we had a lot of the same friends. We had that brotherhood, even though I was honored to be one of the directors that assisted in the, yeah. the funeral services and everything. And, and that's, uh, that was a, a tough time, but it, it was home. A, it, it does, <laughs> does for sure. You know, and, and the brotherhood, I think that it, you're dealing with so many different situations. Yeah. Like you said, you're together and, you know, you're relying on that person to have your back and, and be there for you. And, and so, you know, those, those relationships, I think last a lifetime. I still got several, several great friends. You know, my two best friends are police officers. Uh, you know, talk to them almost every yeah. day. And, so. the, and the sad thing is there's been way too many lost yeah. in the past, in this past couple yeah, of years. Yeah. One I mean, is too many, yeah, you know, way too many. Absolutely. And um, so it, it's, uh, it's tough. But, um, you know, um, I actually saw yesterday or last night, I guess, on Facebook, I was scrolling through and saw that um, Spencer Bristol's dad, Dan, is now a reserve officer in Hendersonville Police. That's right. And I think that's awesome yeah. that to continue that service there, um, you know, as a reserve officer and, and serve the community. Because reserve officers don't get paid. Mm-hmm. You know, we were volunteers, totally strictly volunteers. I think it's the same way in Hendersonville. Yes. You know, we provide a lot of our own equipment and everything. We give our time to do that. and. Some people think you're crazy for doing that for free, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it was my way to give back to the community that's given so much to me. Sure. So, and, and if I, truthfully, if, if I had the time, I would still be doing it, but it's just not enough for me to go around sometimes. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you can, can't do everything, you know, that's for sure. But you're involved in other things, too. I mean, you guys, you're yeah. with the, the Gallatin uh, Chamber of Commerce. Uh, yeah, I served on the board for the Chamber of Gallatin yeah. for several years. And I was the chairman um, in 2019, I think. I can't remember. I can't remember if it was 19. <laughs> it so fast. 18 or 19. Yeah. One of those years. Uh, I served on that board for several years. Still a member of the chamber. Uh, I graduated from Leadership Sumner in 2017, I think. You're going to get me to try to remember numbers now that's not going to happen but um and i'm uh i'm currently the president of the tennessee funeral Retros association what was going to be a one-year term has turned into a two-year term because of covid um yeah so proud to serve on that board and, and give back to the profession that, that gives so much to me and and to serve our our, our fellow colleagues in the across the state so that's something i've always had wanted to do and had a chance to do it um never thought i would be the i'm actually the youngest president in the history of the association look at you, look at you. so i never <laughs> that wasn't really the plan but it just kind of happened so yeah um yeah, I'm, uh, that's a that's a huge honor to serve serve the profession and and uh, and do that. Well, we've got a lot more to talk about uh, with Randy. Uh, we're going to take a break right here, first break, and we'll be right back after these words. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. And we're back with Summer County Spotlight. Welcome in. I'm Jeff Shannon, and uh, we've been talking today with Randy Nash Jr. And uh, we've you know, talked a little bit about uh, Randy, and you, you've just got a bunch of things that you're involved in. When do you find time probably, for anything? Probably too. Probably too. I, believe it or not, I've slowed down some of those things, especially with with business ownership. You have to to kind of prioritize things, but yeah. I still try to be do whatever we can do for the community and, and be involved where we can and sometimes it's just you know making a donation or something like that but you know, i still try to volunteer yeah. in different different aspects but it's hard now with two small children and things like that but it's you know it's been fun i i if you're going to be in a business in your community you need to try to partner with them and do what you mm-hmm. can do for them so mm-hmm. now you also own a f- furniture yes my yeah. wife um and I, well, just mainly my wife, we, <laughs> in 2015, we purchased uh, Binkley's Furniture House in Gallatin. It's now called Binkley Nash Furniture and Design. My wife's name is Ashley, and she's an interior designer. She went to college for interior design, and she 
uh, several years of experience in in the furniture industry before we bought the business mm-hmm. and so uh, we've had it for well, six years now i guess and um she's she does very well and stays busy and she she's does great at what she does so yeah. she's uh well i guess uh, you had to find a different name because you can't go by ashley's furniture because no, <laughs> that's no, already no can't do that different one. uh yeah no, we don't want to we can't, can't use that name so <laughs> Do you go down there and help out, or I do she just have you uh, uh, doing the heavy work? Uh, uh, I used to help with deliveries and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but I try to not do that anymore because my back hurts pretty much all the time from yeah. you know working in a funeral home since I was fourteen. Sure. But um, we have a you know she she works there, her mother works with her, and we have some yeah. we have several delivery right. guys that work with us, and I don't have to go down there as much, but uh-huh. every now and then, yeah, I do end up helping her. Well, you know, doing the the, the course of your day. What would that look like? I mean, I know you, you know, what time do you usually start in the morning? Um, so we uh, we are in the office usually around uh, 8.30, probably start noon. Actually, my employees hate me because we're going to start 8 o'clock. Uh, I told them the first Monday in April, so that's <laughs> real quick here. Next, t- tomorrow, yeah. um, we will be um, starting at open 8 o'clock, and we, uh, we're we there Tuesday till 4, you know, business hours. But, you know, we're a 24-hour-a-day business. Um, 99 times out of 100, when you call the business after hours, uh, you're going to get it rolls to my cell phone. Yeah. You're going to talk to me. We have an answering service we do use sometimes, but primarily I, I answer the phones after hours, and you're going to see me or, or one of my employees when someone passes away. I was went out to someone's home last night when they passed away and brought them into our care. So it, it can go, you know, I usually, we may, business hours are probably till four. I'm usually there till five or six doing different stuff, but, yeah. you know, our days can be short. They're long. They're they're everywhere in between. You know, we, um, we meet families um, normally by appointment, so we'll have families scheduled throughout the day to come in and make arrangements and go through everything with them, go through the, you know, the getting all the information we would need for the documentation, obituaries, you know, selection of urns or caskets or vaults, um, you know, you know, counseling with them on different things and guiding them through the whole process. Um, We also do, um, we have a preparation room on site. So we do, uh, we also do um, all our embalming on site. So I do some of that. And I have a friend of mine who's also a licensed embalmer that will help us um, when we need it. And so, you know, you never really know what your day's going to sure. hold. Like yes, yesterday, I, I was we were at Lowe's working on some plumbing stuff. So it's just you know, and we put out we bought a tool cabinet we put together. So the the down days, the I hate to say the Q word, law enforcement. You don't say that. They don't say the funeral business. You don't say that Q word. But when the quiet days, we try to you know get things done around the office and catch sure. up on different stuff. So I guess you can get a call in. If it's a natural kind of death, I mean, uh-huh. if this, somebody's going to call and say, "Hey, I, I think you know we've we've got a situation here," the the paramedics come out, they uh-huh. say, "Okay, well, this is have to pick them up there, or they have to go to hospital, and then they have to be what, what's the procedure there?" So it just depends. I've never been involved in that. So, so. it just it just depends. <laughs> um, obviously, if they pass away in a nursing home or facility or a hospital, we can go right to that to that facility and okay. pick them up from there. That we pronounce by either a, an RN or a, a doctor there on that on site. Primarily, when a person passes away at home, they're normally under hospice care. And yeah. so, when a person's under hospice care, it's called it's it's considered an attended death, where you know, they're under the, under the direct care of the hospice organization. Uh, their nurses and and doctors, a, a registered nurse has to come out when the person passes away. The family normally will call the hospice company first, and they will send a registered nurse out that will pronounce the person's death, and then they call us and we respond from there. We usually are on scene within the hour of them calling us, okay. depending on where they're at. Right. If a person passes away, they're not under hospice care. So, if for example, if you you know, some found someone that passed away in their sleep or something like that. Um, it's what would be considered an unattended death because they weren't in a facility and they weren't under the direct care of a hospice organization. So you would have to notify the the local law enforcement police or the sheriff's office, and they would come out and normally do a report. and And usually EMS will come out and do you know maybe take a couple of samples or something, and um, 
and if they can if they're, if they're satisfied with the situation they will um a lot they'll mostly we will come to that go with us directly to the scene from time to time in sumner county we do have a morgue at the that's located at the ambulance service in gallatin so sometimes we they do transfer people there and every now and then they will transfer people directly to us they'll bring them to us from time to time uh-huh. but um primarily we go on on a lot of scenes um to a lot of homes and, and residences and stuff. And then it was a situation where a person uh, needed to have an, an autopsy done, a post-mortem examination. Okay. They would be transferred to the medical examiner's office, the forensic center in, in Nashville. Is that and in that, case it was suspicious or they weren't sure how it happened death, that he definitely uh, went you know, uh, uh, Or a situation where someone took their own life yeah. or obviously homicides, things like that. We're not going to be as involved. We're not going to go to homicide scenes or anything like that. That's going to mm-hmm. be, you know, the forensic center gets involved in the medical examiner's office and there's, there's that's a whole other situation. We, sure. you know, we, we won't be involved until they're until they release the body to us right the deceased person to us now there's not a certain time frame by law that they have to be embalmed or anything no so embalming is not required by law okay. in tennessee um, embalming is normally required by funeral homes if they're if you're gonna have a public viewing or visitation uh, we do require that the person be embalmed um, if you it's not required by any kind of state law okay. in tennessee at least and there may be other states but um, not Tennessee. Okay. When you were uh, going through the, the process like this, it, it has to be, you know, I guess you just never know when you're going to get that call. No. I mean, I, I look at it and I go, well, you could be right here. You, it could yeah. happen and you, you get a call and you have to respond to that scene. One of the things that I, I always questioned or had a question about that you had mentioned that autopsies aren't really required in every single case, only if it's a suspicious or something of sure. that nature. So normally it's going to be um, in in Sumner County. It's a little different than it is in other counties, because we have a Sumner County EMS also runs the medical examiner's office, if you will. So one of the uh, they have a, a death investigator on staff, okay. a medical legal death investigator with that works with uh, EMS, and then the medical examiner, Doctor Pinkston, for Sumner County. He's a and actually, he's an emergency room doctor at Sumner Regional, but he's also the medical examiner for the county. Okay. And so he does sign some death certificates, okay. um, but he doesn't do autopsies or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, an autopsy is normally, in Sumner County, has to be approved by the district attorney because it's normally going to be a case where there's going to be some sort of prosecution or if there's some suspicion of the circumstances where there may be you know, an investigation that can incur, they're going to do that. Yeah. You know, this whole process, if nobody has, has been through this, it can be probably overwhelming to the to the family and the Absolutely. people that are involved with it, doing these things. So it would seem to me that it would make sense to have all of this prearranged. Tell us about some of those prearrangements. Uh, I guess they got different packages, I guess programs you can you can sure. sign up for. In, in pre-planning, you know, the thing that I always tell people is to have some kind of permanent plan in place. And that can be a range of different things. That can be just coming in and saying, hey, here's my obituary and here's what I want done. Can you just put it in a file and hang on to it? Sure, we can do that. Here, you know, you can come in and pick out everything you want done, what you want, if you want a casket, if you want to earn, if you want, uh, you know, you want to have your ashes spread at your favorite golf course, You, we put that on paper mm-hmm. and we file it away. Yeah. But if you want to come in and do all that and then pay for it and fund it, then we can do that as well. Okay. The advantage to doing that is that we guarantee the cost as it is today. So we guarantee the cost of any service we sell, it, it provide, or any merchandise we sell. We cannot guarantee the cost of third-party items like death certificates, obituaries, sales tax, things we don't control the price of. What about uh, blasting the ground open 
with all this rock we have around. <laughs> How is that possible? Can, knock on wood. Oh we don't have to do that very often. Um, wow. Very, very, very seldom. And normally, if there is rock, um, normally they can hammer it out and not have to oh, wow. blast it. Wow. Um, there are some cases in some cemeteries that has that has happened before. And they basically just, it's really very small charges just to basically bust the rock up. Then yeah. you're not going to see a bunch of stuff blowing out of a hole. You're going to see just, it's just going to, it's going to shake the ground a little bit and mm-hmm. bust that rock up and then we're going to dig it out. Yeah. So that is very, I hope you didn't jinx me because that's, that is very, that's few and far between, <laughs> thankfully. Thank you. Because uh, we don't like to do that. No, but um, for sure. there are people that will do it if, if it needs to be done. Yeah. Um, but you can prepay okay. um, your, the opening and closing of the grave at, at pretty much any public cemetery will let you prepay that. And that is an advantage. That is something I recommend people doing. I rec- mm-hmm. As much as you can do in advance, as much as you can afford to do in advance, I recommend you doing it. Yeah, you know, we can, we can pre-plan your old funeral or cremation or whatever you want done. And then if you're going to be buried, you can go to that cemetery and you can do as much as you can do there. You can buy the burial space. You can buy the marker. You can buy the opening and closing. And it will save you money because it guarantees the price just like we do. Right. So and in on the funeral side, we can fund it in two ways. One is that through an insurance policy that's specifically for those funeral arrangements. And the second is through an irrevocable trust that's managed by a third party. So we do it both of those ways. Okay. It really just depends on the person about how you know how we fund it, honestly. If you're gonna if you want to make payments, we're gonna run it through the insurance because you can make payments on it. If you okay. want it, if, you, if, if that's something you need to do, it's it's really uh, depends on the situation and what you're doing. Sure. Uh, what are the uh, if they don't want to be put in the ground? What are those uh, the mausoleum? Of the, is that what? Is, so there's mausoleum, which is a above is that, ground building. So is that and, and the, like a body would be in there, or is it cremated? Either one. Either one. They have a, so you have a mausoleum can have crypts for okay. caskets. Yep. Okay. And then they can have uh, what's called a, a niche or a columbarium, which is a just basically almost an alcove for an urn um, okay. or two urns. Right. It can be a companion, a husband and wife or spouse or whoever. Mm-hmm. And um, those are options, too. One of the things I, that I saw at one was I guess you can buy the, a piece of ground and have a bench there and okay. a nice little uh, garden kind of setting yeah. with the, uh, you know, for the, for the there's, family. There are, there are um, options with benches and there's, there's the, the options with cremation placement in the cemetery. And I know this because I used to run cemeteries um, are almost are endless. There's some great options at some of the wow. cemeteries here in Sumner yeah. County for that. And, and there's even benches where you can be cremated and place in those benches. Also another option that's not necessarily a new thing, but as up and coming is natural burial or green burial. Cause here in Sumner County, County, we have the only uh, natural burial cemetery in, oh, really? the, in the state of Tennessee called Larkspur Conservation. It's in Westmoreland. And so we work with them a lot, uh, taking care of families that want to do uh, their burial no, at Larkspur. No, what is that? So it would be um, you know, a natural burial where you're either buried and you're not embalmed. Mm-hmm. Um, you're bathed, essentially bathed and dressed and either shrouded in uh, some sort of fabric or material okay. or placed in an all wood construction casket or a wicker casket, okay. something that's natural, that's going to, that's biodegradable, that's yeah. going to break down naturally with the earth. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then um, and it's really, it's a, it's a really neat thing. Um, it's a beautiful setting at that cemetery. I don't even want to call it a cemetery. That's it's why it's called Larkspur Conservation because yeah. it's a, it's a nature preserve. It's protected by the Nature Conservancy. Sure. So um, it, it's, and that's a, something that's grown here recently especially because it's here in Sumner county yeah. but we have people coming from all over the area to come to that cemetery. Well, it's interesting we're talking about this now being easter this is right. airing on easter right and you know what i mean it just kind of makes sense i mean i didn't know that was available but that that is kind of interesting that- so here's your easter or here's your funeral director useless funeral director knowledge for the day so okay. you know like so in law enforcement saint michael is the patron saint of law enforcement so saint joseph of arimathea 
is the patron saint of funeral directors because Saint Joseph of Arimathea was the person that took custody of Jesus's body after it was oh, crucified. That, yeah, he played, he wrapped him and placed him in his tomb, and it was it was his tomb where you know the stone was rolled away. Yeah, and so that's a pretty neat story if wow. you read about it. Did not know that. So we actually have, in, in Hendersonville, there's a Saint Joseph of Arimathea Church here, right across from from the chamber office where your wife works. Yes, and yeah. uh, so um, that's pretty neat too. Yeah, absolutely, Randy. I, I you know. I, I know that uh, this this time of year and everything we we get kind of sentimental and everything going on with the with the holiday and the celebration of the life of Jesus and the resurrection and all of that but you know I think what you do is so valuable and I think learning everything that you have to learn to ease people and make this a comfortable time for them is an art and it's something that most people so. could not do it, I mean it's <laughs> you know it's been said that you don't choose funeral service it chooses you yeah um, my grandfather um, was from here. My grandfather's name was Bob Williams, and we owned uh, my family owned uh, Bob Williams Lincoln Mercury. It was a dealership here, and mm-hmm. it was in Rivergate here for several years. And when I was five years old, he had a heart attack sitting next to me at the dinner table. Wow. And um, I, I mentioned Tom Bowers earlier. He was the he was the man that he was the funeral director mm-hmm. when my grandfather died. That's I met him when I was five years old. Wow. And um, just seeing those processes and and seeing some deaths in our family over the next few years, it really drew me to this to this business. And mm-hmm. I really do think that that was the event that that drew me to do to what I do today, and and to be the be that calming presence for that family um you know be be the shoulder to cry on you know be be the calm in the storm be the you know be their be their advocate on on their behalf speak when they don't have the words to speak and and do what we can do to, to help them through the time and and people say well you know you say those things but do you really do all that and i really we, we really do you know we're, we're there to to serve people and and that's the um the biggest thing is that we are it is we are in the funeral business but we're in the funeral service and we're here to provide a service well and from everything that just talking with you it makes me i feel more educated because i know there's a lot and that's something you go through every day no no, it's not it's not Uh, and that's that's the thing that 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 we hear from all all the people all the time i've never done this before well that's what i'm here for yeah that's what i'm here to help you yeah, well, that's 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 the number one thing. Well, Randy, I appreciate you coming in here. Uh, we've been uh, speaking with Randy Nash Jr. He's the owner of Sumner Funeral and Cremation right here in Gallatin. And Randy, we appreciate you so very much for, for yes, coming sir. in on this. And we'll be right back after these words. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. Hey, we're glad you found us here at Summer County Spotlight on this Sunday morning and, of course, each and every Sunday morning here at WHIN. And, of course, if you want to listen on the podcast, we get on Monday mornings at 8 o'clock. The, this show will drop uh, then, and you'll be able to listen to it over and over again, you know, and you can hopefully not fast forward through anything, but you, you'll be able to hear this this show again, and we appreciate you uh, doing so. So we've been talking with uh, Steve Doremus and uh, Aaron Birch with United Way of Sumner County, and what are some of the conditions or needs here in Sumner County that really make the work you do necessary and important? I think the level of economic hardship in Sumner County comes as a surprise to most people because even before the pandemic started, we had 9% of Sumner County households were below the poverty level. And another 33% of households in this county were unable to make ends meet. They were above poverty, which meant they couldn't get any government assistance, Mm -hmm. but they were below the level it needed to pay for all the basic necessities like rent, utilities, transportation, medical care, and those types of things. So when we tell people that 42% of Sumner Countyans were struggling before the pandemic, that's an eye-opener. And where we got that information is our United Way, along with other United Ways across the state of Tennessee, commissioned a report called the ALICE Study. And ALICE stands for Asset Limited, Income Constrained, and Employed. So we're looking at those people who are 
used to be defined as the working poor. So they have jobs, but they're not able to make ends meet. And we looked at that on a community by community basis by zip code and looked at the cost of living all across Sumner County and the different communities, looked at the resources available to these folks, and we determined how many people were really in need. And when we got our first copy of the report a year year and a half ago now, mm-hmm. it blew our minds that mm-hmm. there were that many people hurting in a community that at first glance looks like a thriving you know, well-oiled machine. Everybody's doing well. But when we start looking at these numbers, we realize that there is a homelessness problem in this community. There is a health care problem in this community because some people just can't afford it. Because a lot of these people in the Alice demographic are working multiple part-time jobs. And with part-time jobs, you don't get health care. You don't get health insurance. You don't get those kinds of things. So when we fast forward to the pandemic, some of the jobs that were the first ones affected that were scaled back or cut out totally were those part-time jobs, especially in the service and hospitality industries. Mm -hmm. That's where a lot of the Alice population was going to work each and every day, trying to juggle two or three of these part-time jobs to fit a schedule together to get enough money to feed their children or buy the medicines they need or keep the heat on during the winter. So we talk about the Alice demographic and the fact that at 42% of Sumner County families struggling before the pandemic, we know that's well over 50% now. And it's interesting, I've told this story several times, when the pandemic first started and things started closing, some of the first places to close were uh, nightclubs and music venues down on Broadway and in, in Nashville. The first calls that we got were from musicians right. who had totally lost their income. They were the first ones to get yeah. cut out. And these were you know, the gig economy. A lot of people working the gig economy yes. were left with nothing when the pandemic struck. And so we know that the needs are much higher now than 42% of our community. And that's that's the big thing that makes our work important. Now, mm-hmm. we, we actually looked at those numbers by community. Talk about Hendersonville, which is one of the, the better places in Sumner County as far as the Alice numbers. 39.9% of households in Hendersonville were below the budget necessary to make ends meet before the pandemic. Wow. Now, of course, we don't have current yeah. numbers because it's all happening in real time. But, you know, you look at Castellan Springs, there were close to 65% of households struggling before the pandemic. Man. So we know just anecdotally that we're in dire straits right now. There are a lot of families out there that maybe you had two part-time jobs and you lost one of them. Well, what did they do? Any savings they might have had is gone. Any credit cards they had are now maxed out. Even as the pandemic eases up and jobs start coming back, those that do, because you and I both know many of those jobs will not come back, the bills are going to start coming due on things that they've put off. People who have been given forgiveness on utility bills or rent or those things, you know, they're not just going to disappear. So the economy will rebound to some extent. People will go back to work, but people are going to be hurting more than ever because they've run up a lot of bills just to survive during the dire times. So I was thinking while you were talking, if a, if a family or individuals here in Sumner County come to that point where they say, we, we just can't do anymore, we've done everything we can, the job's not there, I can't get the second job, and then they wanted to get in touch with United Way, what would be some steps they would take to initiate sure. that? Sure. If, if folks need help, of course, we're, we're at our office, we get calls every day for folks who need help. I would ideally say for them to get in touch with 211. Um, you know, finding the right assistance can be hard, but there is a database of hundreds of different uh, programs that are available, both health and human services, um, for folks that um, need assistance. And there's a, a trained specialist that will answer the phone 24-7 um, to connect the needs 
to the resource. So um, that's dialing 211. That's United Way 211.org. That's calling locally at 615-279-1410. All calls are free and they're confidential. So that is the first thing. We've, we've said it a couple of times, I think, but it's worth repeating that when those calls are made and whether we get them at our office and 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 we're fundraisers, we're um, communications specialists, right? We're not, we're not caseworkers, but we've learned very quickly how to refer out um, those needs. And when, when we get those calls, there are several needs. And so we're not just giving one nonprofit agency, one resource. We're giving probably anywhere from three to five places for that person to call because it's not just a quick fix. Um, like Steve said that, you know, there's there's most likely a multitude of issues that need help with. Um, and that can be very overwhelming. Those calls can be very heart-wrenching um, and it keeps us in the forefront of our why. If you've read any yeah. of the leadership books, right, you, you hear start with why. Those calls are our why. Um, there's a lot of times we gather as a team and just kind of divulge the different calls and different issues that we've heard about. And it, it ignites us to, to go out in the community and tell those stories and make sure that those needs are able to be met the next day. Do you have any uh, stories just off the top of your head that... that really stick in your mind. Yeah. I know that some of them are really heart-wrenching and, and sad, but, you know. Yeah, I, I could probably sit here for another hour and tell <laughs> right. you stories. Um, recently, um, and, and Tony Dew is so wonderful about answering the phones at the office and, and making sure that those folks have several different places that they can turn. Because a lot of the folks that by the time they call us, they have hit rock bottom. They're very sad. Um, they're very discouraged. And so um, we try to give them hope without letting them know that everything is going to be fixed overnight, but let them know that there is hope and that, that we do care about them. One of the stories that just bubbles up is a single mom um, who had recently got, or so she thought, out of abuse situation, the young child and was pregnant with another child. She was scared. And she was lonely and she was hurt. And so um, we very quickly got her in touch with Home Safe, who is a domestic violence and abuse shelter. We also got her in touch with Nurses for Newborns because her um, baby was at risk um, because of the situations that she's been placed in. Because she was um, living in her car, we knew she probably had some food insecurity. Um, she was in Gallatin and we sent her to Grace Place, uh, excuse me, to um, uh, Gallatin Cares to get some some food for her and her family. We let her know some safe places to park in her car until she was able to get in touch with Home Safe. So those those stories unfortunately reoccur more often than I'd like to say. Homelessness looks very different in Sumner County than it does in our neighbors uh, down the way in in downtown Nashville, but it's still here. You know, I was getting a visual while you were speaking, and and I think a lot of people don't realize the homeless community is not like it is down in Nashville. You don't have the Ellington Parkway, thanks to the tent city, but there are a, a great homeless population going on here. There are, and they're staying in, in, in hotels or their cars or, you know, we actually received a call a couple of years ago of a young man and 
his wife, who was expecting a baby, sleeping on the football field at Gallatin Stadium. Wow! And uh, so it, it does happen in this community, and it's hidden, and it's and it's hard for some people to admit that we have it because they don't see a tent city somewhere. So that's one of our biggest challenges is convincing the community that there are needs here mm-hmm. because. Unless you look for them sometimes, you don't see them. Mm-hmm. Or if you do see them, you don't recognize them for what they really are. I mean, I heard stories, you know, even down in Florida, uh, there's one girl that was in the foster care program that we became kind of close to, uh, kind of mentored her, and she had a domestic kind of situation. She was actually, and, and a single female, you know, you do whatever you got to do, but she actually was living on people's roofs. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. And this was in the, in the wintertime, of course, down there, you, if you got in the thirties, it was you know really freezing, mm-hmm. but she had to do that. I mean, that's how they do it to protect themselves, yeah. you know, from all those mm-hmm. creatures out there. So they, but that, when you hear something like that, you go, that's really happening. And what Aaron touched on just a minute ago, and, and you ask, how do people reach out and get assistance? Probably the hardest thing in the whole process is getting people to ask for assistance yeah. because people are losing their jobs who have never lost them before going to stand in line at a food giveaway that they've never had to do before. They've been threatened with their utilities getting cut off, and that's never happened before. And yet, they don't know where to turn or what to do to get assistance, and some of them have never asked for help with anything in their lives. Mm -hmm. And that's a big barrier for them to overcome. And Aaron and I and everyone in our office has answered the phone at one time or another to hear someone just sobbing because I don't know what to do. This has never happened to me before. I've always paid all my bills on time. I've always been able to do everything the way I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to, and now I can't. 211 is great because in addition to nonprofit organizations like the 33 we work with, they also have a resource database that includes state and federal programs, which are changing every day. Uh, as, as they try to address the impact of the pandemic, there are new federal programs that Aaron and I haven't even heard about that 211 can help connect people to to get them assistance that they need. How would you screen somebody coming in just, you know, you, that they're really real in what they're asking for and their their issue? Do, that has to be kind of complicated. You know, that's, that's an interesting question. I actually get asked that a lot by friends, and we've had conversations about that in the office. I'm smiling because it's it's kind of a maybe a hot topic topic, I guess, in our world. But, you know, we we say if someone has had the gumption to call and, and seek help, then we're going to assume that they need that help and, and pass on um, the information and resources and support that they need. Of course, United Way does not do direct service. That's not our gift. That's not what we're here for. That's not our why. But we we will connect those folks. And then our help centers, um, we help support help centers in each one of our cities. Um, we have Portland Cares, Gallatin Cares, Hendersonville Samaritan Association, the Society Society of St. Vincent de Paul, Amazing Grace Mission, the Westmoreland Food Bank. Um, so we have help centers in all of the areas that we refer to. And those folks are the caseworker specialists who know the right questions to ask, the right ways to direct and get help. You know, the, the beauty of, of working with so many different agencies is, you know, we might get a call for someone who needs help with their utilities um, or needs help with being evicted but they're not really sure how they got there. Mm-hmm. They they thought they did all the right things. Well, 
They may need assistance from a help center, but they also might need to talk to the Legal Aid Society and understand their rights as a tenant. Um, So people don't think of that. Um, Other agencies that we've heard from recently, um, especially in the light of the pandemic, and we all know that unfortunately kids have um, had to be um, online at school at home for for schooling, um, uh, probably more than any of us would like, um, but uh, is necessary. And um, Amy, uh, that is Amy Burke Salyer, excuse me, that is the director over at Ashley's Place. They have gotten a um, large amount of calls for um, abuse, abuse, um, and and. That happens when kids go back to school and they have a safe place to divulge information to their teachers. And so we're seeing a rise on um, those abuse cases that were happening when folks were, you know, trying to trying to think that their kids were in a safe place at home, but maybe maybe weren't due to other situations. Yeah. Well, it's watching people struggle through things is not a real pleasant experience. And what you all are doing is fabulous. And of course, we're we're talking with United Way representatives and we're talking to Steve Doremus and Aaron Birch. We're going to be right back with our final segment. We're going to kind of find out what United Way needs from Sumner County so that you guys can help them. So we'll find out more when we return. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. And we're back with Sumner County Spotlight. This is Jeff Shannon, and of course, we're here each and every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. WHIN. And of course, we have the broadcast coming up on Monday mornings. It'll drop at 8 o'clock on our website at whinradio.com. So we want you to uh, be sure to check that out as well. Okay, so we're going to continue in our final segment here. We want to find out uh, what does United Way of Sumner County really need from the community and how can people get involved? We touched a little bit on that, but let's jump into that a little deeper. United Way of Sumner County is truly a reflection of this community. And so what we need is involvement. Whatever form it takes for people, depending on their position, uh, where their life is right now, how much time or or resources they're able to give, we just need them to get involved with us, to make a pledge to themselves and, and to the community to try to create positive change. And so that's what we're looking for. So people can give. They can go to our website, unitedwaysumner.org, click on the Give button and make a monetary donation, whether it's the first time they've ever done it or they used to and they've stopped for a while, or if they've been doing it for years but want to increase their involvement that's there on our website if they want to volunteer again volunteer opportunities have been few and far between those for the past 12 months but they're going to wrap back up probably this summer and later into the fall and we want people to get involved with that because there are ways to give other than just writing a check or or swiping a credit card sure what kind of volunteers would you be looking for when we do our back to school stuff the bus program we usually have probably a hundred volunteers over a course of three days help us collect school supplies sort school supplies and stuff backpacks full of supplies so that's usually a big project. We space it out over a couple of days. We're already trying to think of a big, wide, open-air space that we can do that this year and still do some social distancing and maintain safety. But we've got enough supplies to, to pack 1,300 or so backpacks right now. And so at some point, probably early July, we'll start putting out the call for that. And that usually takes place the last week of July. We'll fill those backpacks and get them into the hands of students who need them before the first day of school. Well, we really need this back-to-school program and, and, and the host of other programs you have to, to help, you know, the families here in Summer County. And what are some of the other things that you might be 
looking to do? Well, again, we we would encourage folks to check out becoming a change ambassador with us. Really check that out. One of the main reasons is because you'll learn so much about our community. You'll learn so much about the needs and what's available to help with those needs. Doing that, that's a program that once, once you tiptoe into knowing what the needs are and how you can help link people. It's it's pretty addicting. I've seen people get so excited about being involved once they really know, once their eyes are open to what's going on. Um, you know, we also have so many um, nonprofits that we partner with that every day they are they they have needs. You know, we are having folks who call seniors um, at home to make sure that they are okay. We have folks that are doing um, Zoom uh, tutoring for the Literacy Council. So the list goes on and on. Um, we, of course, have things internally when we have our events, our golf tournament in the fall. Um, we'll have some um, smaller events coming up here in the spring that we'll be announcing soon. And we'll need volunteers for those. But again, our Stuff the Bus, it's such a fun project. It's probably internally one of our favorite things that we do. Um, I I have middle school daughters. They're twins at Station Camp Middle School and um, Aubrey and Allie. And I I know how expensive it is to to be able to um, stuff that backpack full of all the goodies they're going to need to um, get through their education for a year. And so our Stuff the Bus is a neat way to get the whole family involved. And so uh, that's, that's one of the things. Well, and you're a trained classic pianist, so you might do a concert to raise money. No, no. Um, I think that that is um, <laughs> gonna a closet classic gold pianist. <laughs> you know, well, one of the things I encourage people to do is to go to our website. We took the opportunity during the downtime that we had during the pandemic to totally revamp our websites, all new. And if people don't know or have a good feeling about what United Way is and what we do here in Sumner County, mm-hmm. go there and look around. It's probably a lot of the answers you're looking for are there. But if you don't find them, give us a call. Yeah. Email Aaron or me. You know, one of the misconceptions that people have is that we're such a huge organization. In a typical year, our United Way right here in Sumner County will raise between 900000 and a million dollars. We do that oh, with two full-time people and two part-time people. So, you know, we're, we're not this huge organization that's out there, you know, with people running around everywhere. We, we make the most of what we have, and then we rely on the community to help us. And again, we get back to those volunteers and those advocates who help us spread the word about the work we're doing, the work our partner agencies are doing. We've also taken this past year to really step up our promotion of the partner agencies because they are the boots on the ground Absolutely. and the front lines of helping yeah. people. So we've gone the extra mile to promote them, the work that they're doing on our website. Like I said, we've got about 15 testimonial videos from partner agencies that explain what they do and how they help folks do that. If you wonder where your United Way dollars go, watch a couple of those videos and hear some of those stories. And I think you'll feel good about your United Way contribution. Another way is to invite us to come speak to your group. Um, That has been something Steve's been great about going to the different rotaries. We've been involved in the Hendersonville Chamber of Commerce, Gallatin, Portland, all of our chambers. Um, But think smaller. Think your book club, your Bible study. We love to come or just make a phone call or um, do a Zoom like everyone does <laughs> yep. um, and just have a conversation with folks, big or small, to let them know that their support, again, big or small, however that is, whether it's dollars, volunteering, or advocating for folks in need, we'd love to come talk. The last thing I want to touch on, Jeff, is 
people always ask us, who decides where the money goes? Mm. And it's not Aaron, it's not me, it's a group of volunteers that we recruit annually that come in and review the request for funding from our partner agencies. They look at the situation, the conditions in our community, and they make those determinations each and every year. No one's guaranteed funding from one year to the next. They come in and tell us what they did with the money they received the past year, and they justify their request for the coming year. And those volunteers who, again, are a reflection of this community, make those decisions. So when I say we're a local organization, we really are. And it's it's a great process, the way that we raise the money from the community, and then the community decides where to spend that money. Which I think a lot of people, they, they do question that, say, okay, you got this money coming in, you got all this money to go out, uh, you know, is it spending on office supplies and people's salaries and a huge Bentleys and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> limo rides and parties and things like that. So I, it's good news that that's happening. There. We've got a small office, been in the same place now yeah. for coming up on 10 years and got a great dedicated staff, Aaron and Tony Dew, who is our projects manager, and Danielle Robinson, who is our finance manager. Mm-hmm. Those three ladies have the biggest hearts of any you know group of three people I've ever met. They yeah. come in there not to get a paycheck, but to help people. That's great. And that's that's been the biggest joy of my life is having the privilege to work with those three ladies and, and do the work that we do to try to create that positive change that we're all looking for. Well, you know, I think the... The whole process of the United Way and people's vision of what the United Way does, I think, is it greatly impacted by our great broadcast because they're going to hear about this all over the world. <laughs> um, well, I think it's great what the United Way has done here. And, and, and the fact that it's all right here in Sumner County is, is very impressive. And I, I want to thank you guys so much for coming out. It, it's kind of opened my eyes. I mean, I have a different vision of what the United Way is. So go ahead and one more time, tell people how they can get involved. Our United Way website is unitedwaysumner.org. You can follow us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter mm-hmm. at slash United Way Sumner. You can call our office at any time at 615-461-8371 or drop me or Aaron an email, just our first name at unitedwaysumner.org. Well, we appreciate that. So we've been talking with uh, Steve Doremus and Aaron Birch with the United Way here of Sumner County. We appreciate you joining us here on this Sunday morning on Sumner County Spotlight, uh, sponsored by our friends at FNM Bank at 221 Indy Lake Boulevard and myfnmbank.com. This is Jeff Shannon. We'll see you next week. So long. Sumner County Spotlight on 100.7 WHIN 1010 AM has been brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. Whether you need personal banking, banking for your business, a home mortgage, or considering refinancing your home, FNM Bank will provide you with excellent service right here in Sumner County. Visit them today at myfmbank.com. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday morning at 10 AM. Thanks for listening.